Greetings. Welcome, everyone, to our very first edition of Data the Gathering, where we love data more than Captain Jean-Luc Picard. We're coming live to you from Antwit's New York office. I'm your host and not-so-moderate moderator, Mandeep. Uh, I don't know if you know me. I'm Mandeep Singh. I'm a senior data scientist here at Antwit in the uh, United States. So I wanted to introduce what the podcast is about in the first uh, few moments. And uh, the email that was sent out to all of you on Skype Unfortunately, that does not reflect where we're going to be going with this. This will be a 30 minutes max uh, podcast uh, that we are trying to design. We're in the experimental phases for. It has uh, every week we will have a topic of discussion. We will have different guests, interesting people, uh, except for this week we have Rich, so not that many interesting people. But eventually we will have interesting people come in. Uh, subject matter experts talk about interesting things. So the format of our show will be introduction to the week's guests. We have a news segment called uh, DAT News. And then we have finally our main event every week is going to be called The Gather Round, where we discuss the main topic that we have selected uh, for discussion. And there, the news segment is something important. It will be news around data science. It could be about algorithms, could be about anything that that uh, we find interesting, that we find pertinent to our daily lives, not just business. So uh, please think of this as something beyond just work. So let's get started. I am joined by three very special guests here today, and let me introduce them to you. Uh, we'll start uh, kind of clockwise. We have uh, Shubha Marish, who's the managing partner of North America. Shubha. Hey, thanks, Malib. Good to be here. We have the chief data scientist, um, of Antwit, Rajiv Chandrakaran here in the room. Hi, Rajiv. And we have our financial services partner and Mr. Funny Man, Rich Brown. <laughs> Glad to be here. That's right. And we're also joined by other people in the Antwit New York office, along with all of you on Skype. So, with that said, this is our format for the show. Let's uh, let's crack on to the news. So, the very first news item we have today is also the main topic of discussion. So, we'll quickly gloss over it. Microsoft bought LinkedIn for 26.2 billion US dollars. So that's billion with a B if you want to think about that, uh, which we'll get to at a, at a later time for a lengthier discussion. And I'm sure it's going to be very good. Uh, next news item, uh, we found something interesting. IBM launches industry's first development environment for Apache Spark and it will be delivered in cloud. So they have put in $300 million investment into developing Apache Spark as an analytical operating system, all with Spark R, Spark SQL, Spark machine learning libraries, all of that completely integrated. And what's interesting is that they're also betting on R. So R developers and R data scientists are the primary uh, developers for this platform. And that's, that's really, really interesting to, uh, it's something that I think uh, will definitely make waves as, as time goes on. Uh, in a client discussion recently, uh, I was asked this question, uh, so what about Spark? I mean, when does that become prime time? And I actually said the exact thing that we haven't had a company really st you know, stand behind Spark and build a commercial platform out of it. So I think this will be very, very important. Uh, next news item, uh, Tableau uh, stepping up their game. Uh, they have uh, partnered with Objectivity to bring 
graph analytics to Tableau. That's uh, that's amazing because one of the key uh, key things where Tableau has been lagging, uh, apart from uh, you know collaboration, uh, lack of collaboration, I should say, is the fact that some of these newer, cooler algorithms are just not available in in uh, Tableau. Uh, so with graph analytics coming in, that's uh, that's a big coup de grace for uh, for Tableau. They they definitely understand that the market uh, is ripe for disruption when it comes to these new kinds of algorithms. And lastly, something a little bit uh, nerdy, something a little closer to my heart, it would be uh, Scala, the new golden child. It's an editorial that I recently read that uh, uh, was pretty interesting to me. So, you know, languages come and go. So this article was making the case that Scala is something really, really important and upcoming. And uh, I know uh, from personal experience that one of the big banks, uh, one of the biggest banks in the world, uses Scala for all of their production machine learning and data science code. And th that, is, that is definitely uh, something to uh, uh, remember uh, going forward with this. And also remember Spark natively implemented in Scala. So that is definitely very interesting. So all, all these articles that we discussed and, uh, and many, many more uh, will also be posted with this uh, podcast as um, wherever we decide we're going to post them for the first time, Yammer for sure, but then uh, we'll be bringing this to iTunes and other places. So let's move on to our main event. So the big news this last couple of weeks, uh, last week or so, has been Microsoft buying LinkedIn for $26.2 billion. I mean, that, that is an amazingly, amazingly big uh, acquisition for them, right? And today... We're here to sort of discuss that. Uh, was it a genius move or is it something Jar Jar Binks would do if you gave him a bunch of billion dollars? Uh, so we are going to have a lively discussion with Shubham, Rajiv, and Rich. So without further ado, so Shubham, what are your thoughts on this? I wanted Rich to take the first crack at it. <laughs> All right, who Rich, goes first? Can... Yeah, so I think, I mean, in, in general, I think the market believes it's an overvalued uh, acquisition. Uh, LinkedIn had topped out on a lot of its revenue growth and user subscribers. And, you know, we had seen back in uh, February or so when it was reporting earnings, it had a huge, huge fall, like 40% in a single day. Um, so I think Microsoft stepping in right now to buy it, uh, potentially competing against uh, Salesforce uh, and driving up a little bit of the price. Um, I mean, it's an interesting thing on timing. There, there's an article in The Economist that actually talked about uh, how much cheaper it would be in a year from now and whether or not uh, Microsoft could have waited and, uh, and saved a lot of money in order to, uh, to acquire the future. But I think, you know, aside from what the market believes on it, uh, you know, I'm excited about the opportunity simply because of the amount of data that LinkedIn has and all the different ways to exploit it. That, unfortunately, was already, you know, built into LinkedIn's valuation, let alone the premium that Microsoft paid for it. Right, no, that, that's a very good point, actually. Uh, when Satya Nadala was uh, giving his interview to, I think, uh, MSNBC or CNBC, uh, he did say they started the discussion uh, feb after that little fall in February. So that's definitely interesting. Uh, Rajiv, do you want to go next? Sure, why not? So as any data scientist, I'm going to give you a non-committal answer on whether it's a good decision or not. <laughs> but I would give you the pros and cons. The pros, I think, are... Um, unlike previous acquisitions, LinkedIn does not have any major competitors other than probably Salesforce in this space. So I think usually there's a space for two big players, so LinkedIn and Salesforce continue to be the big players and uh, this, this is potentially a good acquisition for Microsoft if they want to enter that space. But <clears throat> going back to where I think 
they may have challenges is if you look at a history of some of the companies they've acquired in the past, Skype being a good example. Uh, Skype, um, Skype had a couple of issues where there were a lot of competing products, but um, uh, speaking to some of the people at Microsoft personally who were involved in early Messenger, which was the competitor to Skype, one of the issues was when the Skype team did join Microsoft, uh, they were affectionately termed as being polishing the turd, basically. So they were not doing, really doing much work. Uh, until Skype, uh, Microsoft decided to fire the whole Skype team and then took that into the uh, engine, combined that with the Messenger product. If something similar happens, and I expect that it's such a big valuation, that a lot of the key uh, players who built LinkedIn are likely, if it's, unless they're significantly motivated to build a platform and add new features, it's going to be difficult for someone and a company, a company like Microsoft to acquire someone unless they run as an independent company. Uh, to bring that valuation up. So are you suggesting it's more of a platform company than a data play? Yeah, I think it is more of a platform company. And I, my, I think if in, from the history, they're probably going to try and integrate that into the Outlook 365 cloud platform. And uh, given that the, none of the other platforms on the Outlook 365 cloud are very well integrated, uh, this is going to be a, quite a challenging exercise in itself. To And until that happens, all you're going to see is incremental changes to the features in LinkedIn, which uh, and which will be and competitors like Salesforce are going to leapfrog ahead of them in terms of building new features, and that's why they're going to start losing customers that way. So it's an integration challenge over the next few years, which is going to stifle their creativity. Right. right. So now that, uh, going back to you, uh, quickly chime in. Uh, one thing that I take very personally: Nokia, one of my favorite companies of all time, bought for 9.4 billion US dollars all the hardware patents, manufacturing processes. Some of the very cutting edge stuff, I mean, all went into the ether. So, you know, I, I do see that that's the risk. So, Shubham, your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I was just looking at the number of LinkedIn users, right? So, it's 433 million uh, globally. How many did WhatsApp have? 800, right? So, I, I think that, you know, I mean, I like to think about things in terms of frameworks, right? And uh, for me, the... the, the Broad overarching framework is that Facebook is your platform at home and at work and play, and Microsoft wants to become the platform at work, right? And so I I actually agree with Rich. This is about data, and you know when you think about your office productivity and office uh, data, I mean Microsoft already has the office productivity suite, and now if they can integrate LinkedIn with that, now they actually have, you know the the entire you know data about you, who you are at work, but now they've they can combine that with your office productivity suite and the data exhaust that comes from that. And so suddenly you have, you know, they, they captured, uh, you know, Rich at work, right? And they know who Rich is, they know what he's doing on his machine, they know how he's interacting with the applications at an OS level, they can actually harness that data and, and, and do many, many things with that. So if you, if you apply, you know, compute to that, and we talk about data science and compute, all the time here and if you apply compute to that you can apply AI based algorithms to that and produce you know what makes rich more productive and you can you know you can come up with the next best action and you can do many many things so let me give you an example from our our own work the other day right so we've been trying to create this pitch for a hotel company right and we've done our research we created a, a document etc and and Rich realized, I mean, when we said that, hey, let's bounce this off of somebody in the industry, right? And and 
Rich realized that he knew somebody at Credit Suisse who knew somebody who was the analyst, not, not in the lodging space, but in the leisure space related. And Rich was able to connect with that analyst. We got onto a call with him yesterday. Great call, validated a lot of our assumptions. Now imagine how this would play in an integrated world with LinkedIn integrated, right? So, you know, you're doing research on, on this hotel, you're creating some a PowerPoint here, and Microsoft could actually say, you know what, Rich in your company knows somebody in the hotel industry. Why? Because I have his LinkedIn connection and, and you know, you can pop that up as a recommendation. I mean, how powerful is that? I mean, that's just a immediate use case that I can come up with. But the point is that I think it, it actually is about data. <coughs> and I think people people start, when you, when you start thinking about valuation and logic, I think people combine the two and then they look at the valuation and they say, this doesn't make sense. But I think we should separate the valuation from from what they're trying to do and where their business is. Do you think this is going to bring up concerns about privacy? Because one of the main reasons people have LinkedIn, other than professional connections, is to find jobs. So if, if the moment it is integrated into your uh, official office, office, office suite, uh, yeah. suite, is it going to discourage people from having a LinkedIn profile and instead build a separate profile which is not viewable from the enterprise premises? Sorry. So I think, you know, I think we are taking, we are going to a more granular view about privacy. So I don't think, you know, people, when people think about privacy, it's, it's zero or one. Either I share or don't share. I think that there will be an opt-in in every every business where you share some, you don't share others. And so, you know, I, I actually think that, yeah, you could spawn two kind of platforms. I mean, you know, do you have a choice when you're using email? No, you don't, right? And so you could have a similar you know, structure where LinkedIn today already sells you Sales Navigator and other such uh, packages where you can actually link link automatically to all your office employees and their connections as well. So, uh, so I think there is a play to. Uh, it's not a zero one game on privacy. Right? I mean, it's it's you you opt in to some things and you don't. And now, in terms of you know where this is going, I mean, we already know that emails. You know, are being monitored. You just saw the Goldman Sachs news the other day, right? And this is not new to us who look at look at the financial services space. I mean, you know, your emails are already you know being monitored and for attrition risk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So those use cases exist. I mean, are you you can't turn that off, right? So there could be a version of LinkedIn that is productivity oriented. There's a version of LinkedIn that's you know uh, job oriented, right? But yeah. the net of it all is that. Microsoft wants to be the Facebook with Yammer, LinkedIn, all these purchases, wants to be the Facebook for work. And I think that's really the macro theme that I, I look at. So, yeah, so our question whether or not they're able to monetize any of that though. So LinkedIn, like most of its subscription revenues are coming from recruiters. So is, you know, in one sense, it's the next monster.com for, you know, perhaps a little bit higher uh, level employees. Um, can Microsoft turn around and figure out ways to commercialize that data set if indeed the, the value of LinkedIn is in the data set um, without having to necessarily give it to all their competitors and make it completely open? Because uh, that sort of takes away the proprietary nature of, of the acquisition and, and why they took it over uh, Salesforce. And will this uh, discourage enterprises from sharing the data with recruiters because they don't want to see attrition? So uh, if, if recruiters are going to go through LinkedIn to primarily do recruitment, profiles and if, if it's integrated with enterprise uh, networks why well, what would the incentive be for an enterprise to share its LinkedIn database with the recruiter which is again I mean um, my point is that you know I think again you're looking at a zero zero one one kind of 
option here, right? I mean, it's like, you know, I, I think that you will have two versions of this. You will have a data exhaust from LinkedIn, which is Rajiv at work, that can, an enterprise can consume to make Rajiv more productive. And you'll have an exhaust from LinkedIn that, that you know, Rajiv is using or recruiters are using. So, I mean, I, I, I think that, I don't know if, if this will remain a, a, you know, LinkedIn will remain the way it is today, right? I mean, we're assuming that it's going to be the same and Microsoft will do something with the same thing. You know, it will morph, right? Um, yeah, that, yeah, I think that some of the other power too in, in uh, Microsoft moving forward, they've got enough cash and enough of a presence that they can do a host of other tuck-in acquisitions for esoteric data sets and, and other capabilities. And we had seen this with, with uh, some of the folks we had talked to at Relationship Science. You know, so when you bring in a lot more intelligence on those connections and you understand how to navigate to the right level within a particular organization that you're targeting, you can bring up news items on Rajiv when he was quoted in the press or what places he was speaking at from a conference. Um, you can uh, merge it with a lot of other data sets as far as uh, other companies and boards that he sits on and sort of the conversations that are happening within those forums as well. And the more you, you generate a very rich and, and robust profile on Rajiv, you know a lot more about what to talk to him about, whether it's small talk, uh, family, uh, if you start to make connections into Facebook or, or more deeper personal relationships. And that ultimately is, is a really powerful sales tool to, to make those kind of uh, connections, you know, um, be able to interact with someone on, on a much more substantive manner than, hey, I heard you work at this company. Can you introduce me to, to Joe Smith? Um, and, and I think as, as you start to see more and more of these tuck-in acquisitions that are hopefully a lot cheaper than the LinkedIn kind of premiums that were paid, um, yeah, you know, may, maybe there's an opportunity for Microsoft to, to be able to exploit this and, and have it not be a, a huge premium that would never get paid back. So uh, I, I had a thought about this this morning, actually. Uh, so let's compare the this data bubble, I guess, to the tech bubble. We had our first tech bubble in late 90s where there was the irrational exuberance, as uh, Schiller calls it, around technology. And but people didn't know what to do with it, right? But then we had a, uh, then everything crashed. And then we had a second, a little more sustained tech bubble after that, you know, during mid-2000s. And do you, do you think that we are in a phase where this is the first data bubble where there's a lot of irrational exuberance that people just, all they want to do is collect data, but they don't really know what to do with it? Or do you, do you think this is sustainable? It's a question. 26.2 billion for uh, just, well, a data set and a platform, right? Now, not saying that it's not, may not be worth it, but we're, we're banking on uh, a, <laughs> we're banking on Microsoft's ability to integrate things, which let's be honest, hasn't been that good. I think the execution definitely is is a challenge, right? And so, like any other big acquisition, this will be a challenge. I think you're right. I mean, they'll probably go the Skype route. There'll be this downturn, and then you know you'll, you'll probably fix things. Um, you know, but 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 I I do see. You know, it's it's very interesting. We talk about microservices a lot, and and then you have these big companies that are actually bundling stuff together through acquisitions, right? So Google is a massive acquisition magnet. So is Microsoft. Yeah, so is Facebook, and so you're you're seeing the emergence of these you know big behemoths, and it's it's interesting to me that you know in a world of microservices which we all kind of believe in, you will still have these aggregators of platforms that are emerging where everybody is going to tap into to build something you know. Uh, yeah, so on but, but on the microservices point, it, it's going to be an interesting question to see if they sort of take that microservice kind of capability out and they try to build the big behemoth and then you run into all kinds of other challenges with with integration the ability to separate out the data sets monetize them separately call upon them as separate services 
Uh, so if they turn and, and make this into the, the bigger juggernaut, um, you lose a lot more of that flexibility. And, and as Rajiv pointed out earlier, it'll be the Skype kind of stuff. No, slogan. no. So just, this, is a, this is where I differ, right? This is a platform play. Think about it. Think about all their acquisitions. Azure, Revolution R, LinkedIn, Skype, everything is coming together to become your next generation cloud-based productivity platform, right? And and so, you know, it's it's almost like Microsoft Cloud is the OS for work. Facebook Cloud is the OS for social, right? For for so so that's how I see this going. And so you know, you're all going to be building apps, micro or bigger bigger apps mm -hmm. on this platform. So this is the platform for work, and that's the play that Microsoft is going for. So I, I buy into that logic. I think the, the, the difference here is that the, my view of the LinkedIn acquisition, it's a micro data kind of play, not, not a service or a platform in particular. So can they, can they, can they exploit the value in that and still uh, be able to integrate with all these other pieces um, without it getting overly complex? So, so the more you do the recruiting apps on top of LinkedIn functionality, or the more you're trying to reach out and do um, sales relationship building, that, you know, the, the, if you build a, a set of micro apps against that data set, then I think it, it has a lot of power and doesn't have to be Microsoft shop for everything. You can still be on a competing platform and have Salesforce integration with that kind of data set given the right contractual uh, relationships between the two companies. Yeah, I mean, the only point I'm trying to make is that there is the, there is the value, the valuation of the acquisition, there is the logic of the acquisition, and there's the execution of the acquisition. Valuation, you know, Let's leave that for financial analysts. Logic, I think it's very, very sound. A lot of people have been saying the logic is flawed, which I don't agree with. And then there is the execution, which is where we all are in agreement that you know it's, it remains to be seen. But on the uh, on the <clears throat> the logic, what I would say, just this, just being my paranoia as someone is worried about my own privacy, is the day LinkedIn becomes part of the official enterprise network, my. <clears throat> My preference would be to close my LinkedIn account to move to something else. Because the moment you think your employer is going to know that you're looking for a job, people will not want to have a LinkedIn profile. So I think they will see a huge drop in the number of active users the moment it becomes part of a cloud enterprise platform. And maybe they'll go to Facebook. Facebook might come up with their own social view for the job finder seek. So I think that's, I think, the danger that Microsoft has is that uh, as a sales force replacement platform, I think it has a lot of value. But as just as a general user, the 400 million users, they are not all sales guys. They're all average employees trying to look for the next job. So uh, building connections for professional. Uh, yeah, I think it goes beyond the job, though, too. I mean, they, they do have a lot of interesting uh, discussion forums and, and topics that come in through the newsfeed. The uh, the piece on the privacy issue is, is whether or not the employer knows that you're looking you're updating your profile, which is a good signal uh, prior to you you know leaving your current job and giving notice. I think the um, if if certain things are aggregated at the macro level, there's a lot of intelligence you can give to the employer without knowing Rajiv specifically had updated his profile. In general, if you start to see 20% of your employees are updating their profiles after the new CEO comes in. You know, that's an interesting sign as well, and you can get a lot more uh, macro guidance from your uh, your employee base on still a, a quite anonymous basis. Uh, to the extent that you're able to know that, um, you know, your employee base's skills are concentrated in certain areas, and they're going into these particular forums to learn more, like how active is, is your data science team looking at, you know, the right blogs and forums to advance 
you know, they're, they're learning and understanding the industry uh, beyond trying to just polish up for the next job. So I think you, you can use it as a learning and instruction tool as well to help you understand corporate development and, and employee training, uh, certainly any kinds of risks on turnover and, and how active people are in the job search at a macro level without uh, getting into any of, the, any of the major privacy concerns. Uh, from, a, from a user perspective, though, uh, are you able to, um, you know, to anonymize you know, enough of those pieces to keep the, the deductive reasoning and, and inductive kind of stuff secret to, the, uh, secret to the company while still allowing them to be able to exploit something of value at an enterprise level? Uh, one thing I'll add here, uh, remember, lynda.com, bought by LinkedIn. So that's uh, going back to your point, Rich, about uh, learning, uh, mm -hmm. tracking learning. That could be that could be a play, but I think, Rajiv, your point is also very, very accurate that as a social network, uh, privacy advocates would definitely want to avoid LinkedIn. So maybe this opens up a new uh, avenue for Facebook to reinvent itself as more than just your pictures from your last rave or uh, maybe a new challenger comes in. Maybe we should build the next challenger. I don't know. Maybe we should have a show of hands here saying if tomorrow LinkedIn becomes part of Microsoft, yeah. would how many of us would be disabling our LinkedIn profile and opening it up somewhere else? I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, so I, I, I don't agree with this. I think it's a subject to for another podcast. Yeah. But I think we are... I think we're missing a big picture. See, the, the thing that I kind of am pushing the organization is you have to go beyond the static thinking of what you see today to what's coming in the future. So in the future, yeah. hear me out. In the future, the nature of the employer-employee relationship is going to change quite dramatically. We don't see that today, but I would be very happy in the future as an employer if my employees are updating their LinkedIn profile. You know why? Because that means that they're learning new skills. Otherwise, they're, they're going to leave anyway. So it doesn't really, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't really mean that, you know, they will leave anyway. They, you know, I, I could scrape LinkedIn and find that information today and keep that separate. But I think that in the future, you know, I, I think that employer-employee relationship also has to be thought about and how that's morphing. And I think that's a subject for another yeah, podcast. Absolutely, but I think absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and it also gets into, you know, some of the other trends that we're seeing in the industry, a lot more contract kind of work, uh, very deep subject matter expertise being sought out for specific projects. And, and you don't need necessarily someone here on a full-time basis if you can stitch together in an efficient way how you're going to have this, you know, diverse workforce from, from a terms of uh, a skills perspective. I, I'm just fearful this is going to set up more boundaries between, you know, there were... There was news, uh, news about Google and Apple having secret agreements about not poaching on each other's employees. So this is going to be much become much more formalized once LinkedIn or something like that becomes part of uh, an enterprise platform where companies can have secret agreements which employees are not aware of. So I think uh, <coughs> we, it seems like we're in a we're entering a phase at least here where employees. The average employee is feeling increasingly powerless in terms of what the corporations can do. So I think, it, it, I do I do agree that uh, it, the nature of the employer-employee relationship is changing and probably is going to keep changing. But <clears throat> I think at some point there's going to be a backlash against uh, uh, excessive control. Oh yeah, corporations. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so um, sorry guys, but let's uh, let's go for another five minutes. Let's get our closing thoughts in. Uh, so we can wrap it up because this is a definitely very interesting discussion that can go on for a long time. 
maybe we should uh, go to a pub afterwards and continue, which, sorry, guys, you will not be able to attend. So, uh, go ahead. Closing, so, closing thoughts uh, from you guys. Yeah. So, so on, the, on present and future, so those two topics. Yeah, I think it's an awesome deal. As I said, valuation, logic, execution. Execution remains to be seen. I'm not the expert on valuations, uh, but I think it's an amazing deal for Microsoft. Rajiv? Yeah, I think it's a, a better deal than Skype and other, some of the previous acquisitions because there are not that many competitors for LinkedIn. But I do think this opens up the door for other competitors to come into the space and take in their uh, step in. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I'll differ a little bit with Shubham. I think the logic and the valuation piece are very much tied together. I mean, if you look at it from a, from a very simple perspective, is it an attractive industry? Absolutely. Data is very powerful and, and it's only going to grow. You know, is it core to Microsoft's strengths? Maybe. Um, and the third most important point is, can you execute on it? And I think that's if that's where we're actually going to see Microsoft failing, then the logic of the acquisition actually breaks down, the valuation breaks down, and uh, we'll end up with potentially another LinkedIn kind of uh, competitive platform, as Rajiv had mentioned, in the future. But either way, you know, I'm excited. I hope they open up the data so we can start to play around with it uh, quite a bit more than we've been able to in the past. Uh, a few years ago, when I was at Thomson Reuters, we were looking at um, you know c connecting to the API and being able to scrape the important information that we all know and love. Uh, then they started shutting that down, and and hopefully we'll get a resurgence here where we can play with the data, even if it comes at subscription rates, right, right. and uh, you know be able to uh, to really see the power of it. Well, I, I will believe that when they integrate that data set into the Azure marketplace. Let's go with that. But. That's all the time we have today, folks. Uh, please let us know what do you think about the format of the show, about the types of discussions. If you have any suggestions on any discussions that we should have, any topics that you find are very interesting, please get them to us before the Wednesday of the week, every week. Uh, we are going to try to do this once a week. Uh, if we can't, we'll let you know. Uh, and also, all aspects of the show are still experimental. Let us know if you want to make this a little more extended, want to make it a little more compact. That's all time we have. Have a good day. Have a good night. And a wonderful weekend. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Don't forget to send us your compliments. Have a good day.